Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Thanks for coming, guys, and uh, getting on Zoom one more time today after I'm sure for some of you was a long day of being on screens and stuff. So I really appreciate you coming and uh, plugging away at this semester, right? Anybody feeling encouraged by the somewhat sunny weather and slightly warmer temps in the last day or so? I um, feel like I'm coming alive again, so... Uh, that's good. And we're, uh, you know, you guys have been around, so you know that we've been going through, uh, and making our, a lot of headway in the Apostles' Creed each week. And, uh, last week we were looking at the ascension. We looked at Jesus ascend, what it means that we believe that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And tonight we're going to look at this next part of the Creed where it says, and he will come again. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. And, you know, so what we're talking about is the judgment day, the day. And uh, it's obviously an unpopular idea, right? Like it's not something that people are fond of thinking about. And, you know, if we uh, do think about it, oftentimes we like to think of, uh, you know, like everyone else can be judged, but not me or something like that. And, um, so it's not popular and it's not uh, something that, uh, it's kind of something that people try to shy away from in the Bible as much as possible, although the Bible talks about it often. And in the Bible, God's judgment is a good thing. And so I want us to just look at the goodness uh, that Jesus will come and judge uh, someday. He'll come from heaven. And we're going to look at Psalm 98 here. Uh, to, it's just a really amazing example of the goodness of God's judgment. So let me read it for us. Uh, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap, clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the heart. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. That should say the earth. He comes to judge the earth. And that last word should say equity. That's okay. Um, yeah, so amazing psalm. And uh, Sophie, I'm just cracking up because I was like, does it say the heart? I've never seen that before. And I've been looking at this passage like all week. <laughs> um, no big deal though. Um, 
So I hope you picked up in the psalm, though, that like when I, when I read this psalm, it always surprises me because it's a psalm of praise. It's like praise God. It's like a song of celebration. And at the end, you're expecting it to be like, you know, praise God because he's merciful or praise God because he's so beautiful. And instead, at the end, it says praise God because he's coming to judge like this whole celebration song of praise. And the end of it is because he's coming to judge. Now, why would we do that? Um, Why would we praise God for his judgment? Why would we celebrate the fact that uh, God is going to come to judge? And what I want us to see tonight is that it's because judgment is good news. And it's actually what we all long for uh, more than anything. And so I want to just look at why God judges and then look at the problem of judgment for us. And then finally, I want to look at the life-changing wonder of God's judgment. So first of all, I want us to just think about why he judges. Um, the idea of judgment day, I think, is off-putting for many because it just kind of seems like, you know, this God that I don't know is going to like arbitrarily just like judge us. And, you know, oftentimes we take the idea of judgment day out of context and it's just like, yeah, it seems kind of unfair that like God would just like come down and judge people. Um, You know, is God up there just looking to like bring the hammer down on people? Uh, That's kind of the narrative around judgment, which is so off-putting, which is why the Bible is so important. And that's why, you know, RUF and RUF, we're all about reading the Bible, knowing the Bible, because the Bible tells a story that makes sense of Judgment Day, and it really makes it fit, and it really uh, shows how important it actually is. And the story is this. Let's just review the story. Uh, Okay, the story begins with a God, and he's holy, and he's beautiful, and lovely, and he's powerful, and he's a creator God. He's creative, and yet he's kind, and uh, he's totally self-sufficient, but in love, he creates uh, a world that reflects his beauty, with mankind as the chief reflectors of his beauty and character, and it's a place for him to dwell with his people in peace and harmony forever, a place where truth and beauty and love abound and just can be magnified for eternity. But as you know, as the story goes, the people he creates turn on him and everything gets messed up. Uh, People start hurting each other badly. Uh, The world that was once lovely and beautiful uh, becomes a dark and scary and evil and sad place, a shadow of what it was meant to be. And the world and people that were supposed to reflect his beauty and character is spinning out of control. And God, the creator of the world, is responsible for this world. And he loves this world. Uh, And because he's good and because he's beautiful, he has no choice but to root out the evil in his world, uh, to protect the world that he created and to restore it to the beauty and the glory uh, that it once had. And so you can see with that story in mind why Psalm 98, in Psalm 98, all of nature is praising God for his, because he's coming to judge the seas and the rivers and the hills. They rejoice that a judgment day is coming uh, because, you know, these the streams and rivers and hills have been here forever. They know in other words, what it's like to, to have a world that's supposed to, the way it's supposed to be. And so uh, there will be a judgment day because the world we live in is a shadow of what it was meant to be. 
And it's just not hard to see if you look around or you read the news, right? Uh, I want you to think about a few uh, things about our world today. Uh, In the U.S. alone, uh, 15,000 people are murdered every year. And the murder rate is going up. Uh, Each year, nearly 2 million children are exploited and trafficked in the commercial sex trade around the world. Uh, It's estimated that that 27 million men, women, and children are currently held as slaves around the world. Uh, Just uh, last week in Nigeria, 279 girls were kidnapped at their boarding school in Nigeria. Uh, If you can handle it, um, go read the news about what's going on in China and the concentration camps that are there. Uh, The things going on in these places are so hideous that I won't even speak them in this Zoom call. Um, They're too horrifying, but I promise you that you won't be able to read about what's going on there without wishing that the men in charge of it would just die this instant. And so that's why God's coming to judge. He's coming to judge because dark and awful things happen in his world every day, and he hates it. He, he loves the world, and he hates the bad stuff in it. Uh, if, and if bad stuff has happened to you personally, you got to hear God hates it. He hates it, and he is on a mission to bring justice, to set it right once and for all. And so that's the why. That's why God comes to judge. But then I, I want to look now at the problem of judgment for us. Uh, So God has good reasons for bringing judgment, you know, coming on the judgment day and judging uh, all people. Um, You know, it's to root out evil in the world, to make it the way it's supposed to be. But the problem comes when we start thinking about uh, which evil gets rooted out. You know, and the Bible says firmly all of it. It's saying there won't be a drop of it left after Jesus is done. And again, that's great news, right? Like, you know, my kids are at any, my kids are home together all the time these days because mostly because of COVID and, and they play together great. They're two and a half years apart. Uh, so like all siblings, there's conflict uh, often, even though they love each other. And so many times throughout the week, uh, my wife Maggie or myself will be, uh, you know, they'll come get one of us and say, like, so, you know, she did this or he did this. And what they're looking for is for us to judge. They're looking for, when they do that, they're looking for us to say, like, you know, okay, like, this is the consequence for what this person did to you. And they won't be satisfied uh, unless it happens. And the problem uh, with that is that my wife and I are not always around, so we can't do it perfectly. Like, we don't always know what one person did to the other and, and who said what and how the sequence of events went. And so, you know, if that's the case, it's deeply unsatisfying, right? I'm sure you can remember, if you have siblings, you probably remember being a kid and thinking, you know, like, how can they not see, you know, this, my, they got away with it. My brother, my sister got away with it. And, you know, I wonder if you've experienced that, uh, being wronged and someone got away with it. You know, maybe it's not a kid thing at all. Maybe it's a current thing uh, for you. You know, a loose end in justice, a part of a relationship that just isn't right because there's something hanging out there that has not been dealt with and nothing will be right until that thing 
is dealt with. It's a longing for justice. It's a longing for someone to step in and judge and set it right. And the good news in the Bible is that God sees everything. And he's coming to judge. Jesus is coming to judge and he's a good judge. He's not going to miss anything. Like he understands all the circumstances involved in every wrong. He understands the motivations and why so-and-so did did whatever. Uh, He gets it right. And when Jesus comes to judge, there will be no loose ends ever. Like it will be deeply satisfying because everything wrong will be made right. Uh, But the problem for us is that we contribute to a lot of the wrong, right? Uh, Even if we don't murder or rape or enslave or kidnap, the seed of it is in us. Uh, If you were around in the fall semester for our study on the Sermon on the Mount, the point that Jesus made, uh, you know, in the heart of that sermon is that uh, God looks on the heart. And he made, Jesus makes this point in the Sermon on the Mount about like, okay, you've never murdered anyone? Great. But have you ever been angry? Because it's the, the same seed is there. Like anger is just murder in seed form. Or uh, lust is just adultery in seed form. And Jesus gives these examples of that. Uh, and so uh, the, the point is that uh, whether or not we do the physical actions, uh, the seeds of a lot of sin are in each of us. And so when Jesus comes to judge, uh, he does so like a cancer doctor. You know, think about Jesus, his world is infected with cancer. And so how does he judge? He, he judges like a cancer doctor. Um, I have an acquaintance I know uh, currently uh, being treated for cancer. And I saw a photo of her this week on my Facebook feed. And I did not recognize her because she was completely bald. And I haven't seen her in a while since she, since that happened to her. Uh, because she's being treated for stage 3 breast cancer. And... I want you to think about that. You know, like, why is she bald? Uh, She is bald because the doctors that are treating her cancer are doing everything they can do, not just to get, you know, like surgically remove the cancer, but to make sure that every single last cancer cell is gone. Right? You, that's the way you treat cancer. Like if you leave one, it'll just spin out of control again. So you need to get them all. And, you know, as a result, the hair falls out because you're getting every rapidly dividing cell in the body in case it's cancer. Okay, you can't leave one cell behind. Uh, sin is the same way. Uh, God's not going to leave one cell of sin behind in our world. Uh, in our hearts. He's going after all of it, right? Judgment day is the same way. It just can't remain. And that's the big problem for us, right? Like the seed, like of all kinds of sins exists, not not just the seed, the actual sins, you know, the things we do to hurt people all around us. uh, We carry those into the world. And so that's a big problem for us, which gets us into the life-changing wonder of God's judgment. Um, Psalm 98 is amazing because it talks about salvation and judgment like they're the same thing. 
You know, and if you in the first few verses of the psalm, it says, "Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. He's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for us. Uh, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And yet the end of the psalm is all about judgment. It's about like, he's coming to judge. Uh, So what's going on? How can it be about God saving people and judging all sin at the same time? And the answer, the answer is often this, uh, is the cross. The answer is Jesus going to the cross. The amazing thing that no one saw back then when the psalm was written, no one saw this coming, was that God God was going to come twice. Like Jesus was going to come twice. First, the first time he came, he came to be judged. And then he's going to come to judge. Uh, When Jesus showed up uh, 2,000 years ago, it was to be judged. And at the end of his life, he actually like sat down in the courtroom and and was judged, even though he committed no sin ever and was sentenced to death. Uh, He was the one person who could be scrutinized, whose heart could be x-rayed, and there would be no seed of sin. And yet, as we saw a couple weeks ago, he suffered big time. And he died all the way. And the result is that for those who will take it, uh, you can have his resume instead of yours. That's the big idea in the gospel is that, uh, you know, like think about your resume, you know, just like writing it out. Like what, you know, presenting your resume to God and saying, this is what I have to show for myself of life. Like that's what judgment day will be like. Uh, you will, on, on some level, show your resume uh, to God. And the bottom line of Judgment Day is, you know, you can show your own, or if you'll take it, if you'll put your faith in Christ, uh, you can show his instead. His is a really good resume. It includes always obeying. It includes always loving. It includes always being patient and kind. Uh, it includes uh, a life lived in service to God. But the bottom line of judgment day is either you'll pay for your own sin on that day or Jesus, his payment will count for you that day. And if Jesus's payment for your sin counts for you, that's everything. It's everything. Uh, A friend of mine put it like this, and I think it's really helpful. He talks about, you know, like, we live in this, like, don't judge me is like, we say this all the time in our culture, right? Like, we, there's this, like, you can't judge me. Uh, we say it all the time. But the fact is, we want to be judged. Like, we want people to judge us from the outside because uh, judgment's just a verdict. It's just, you know, we simply want to be judged good. We want to be judged as acceptable, as cool, uh, rather than bad and unacceptable. And so, like, when someone says, you're so great, that's a judgment. And we don't ever respond when someone says, you're so great by saying, you can't judge me. That would be ridiculous, right? Uh, we want, we need actually some voice. Like we need this voice from the outside to say like, you're lovely. You're good. You're acceptable. 
We long for it. And so the tension for us is that we want that so bad. We desperately live for it uh, with the favorable judgment, but everything on the inside says, no, like it's impossible. Like with a heart like yours, you could never, you're gross, you're disgusting. How could you? And, you know, the theological term for that is righteousness, right? We have a longing for righteousness and the resolution of that tension is what the gospel addresses. Uh, it's something called justification, being made right. Jesus can make you right uh, when we put our faith in Jesus. It gains us that favorable outside, you know, you know your resume is good. You are good, uh, even though you may have an ugly heart, even though you may sin. Um, you can have this declaration over your life that says you're good, you're acceptable, you're loved in Christ. Uh, so I want us to just think about how that'll change us. Uh, three things. Uh, the first thing it's going to do is it's going to make us less harsh, more gentle, more kind, more patient. And the reason that is is because if this is true, then I know the seed of every sin is in my heart. And yet God still pursues me in love. Yet I'm declared worthy. I've got the resume. I'm not insecure anymore, but I'm confident because of what he says about me. And what that does is make that kind of like harshness and stuff just fade away. Uh, so it'll make us less harsh and more gentle. But the second thing is that it'll give us joy in the midst of sadness. Um, you know, we've already said we live in a world that's extremely sad. And if you've lived life for long enough in this world, there's plenty uh, to be sad about. But the good news of the gospel is that it's just not going to be that way forever. Uh, there's just, you know, there's this hint in life that it, it just won't be that way. And we can live like it's not going to be that way. In fact, it'll all go away all the sadness. And that's our story. Uh, so joy in the midst of sadness doesn't mean sad isn't there. It just means we can have joy in the midst of it. But the final thing is that it'll empower us to forgive. Uh, it'll empower us to love our enemy because we don't need to have justice today if justice is going to come someday. I can wait on it. Uh, I I knew a guy a little bit when I was a grad student. I was a seminary student in St. Louis before coming to UConn. And his name is Jim Butts. Butts with a Z. And uh, Jim Butts was a... So he, is, he was a classmate of mine studying to be a pastor. But on the side, he was an amazing actor. Like really impressive actor. So much so that he was cast as Hamlet in Shakespeare in the Park in St. Louis, which is like a really big deal. Like it's like professional uh, acting quality. Uh, every year in the summer in St. Louis, they would have a different Shakespeare play. And uh, so it was a really big deal. And uh, the interesting, so Hamlet is a revenge play. Like it's a, it's a revenge tragedy. Uh, Hamlet uh, dealing with the uh, murder of his own father. And the interesting about, thing about Jim Butts was that Jim Butts, the year before, his sister had been uh, tortured and murdered by a man named Isaiah Kalibu. And 
Uh, and so he's playing this role in this revenge tragedy, and he knows the impulse for revenge. And there was this article written about Jim Butts in the paper, uh, in St. Louis's newspaper, which was just fascinating, and it interviewed him about like this role he was taking on. And this is what he says. Uh, he says, uh, well, the article says, Revenge is something Butts has given a lot of thought to since his sister was murdered last July during a home invasion. Uh, since Teresa's death, her family in St. Louis meets every Sunday night to pray and cry, to talk and mourn together. Jim, who is among them, can't deny the impulse for vengeance. This is a quote from Jim now. It says, I've had silent monologues where I imagine verbally assaulting Teresa's killer. Physically assaulting him, but said, I lost someone who was very, very dear to me in a horrific way. She was tortured. She was murdered. But what would be enough? To punch the man who did this to her? To skin him alive? I do not believe that would equal what I want. What do I want? I would love to have some face time with Isaiah Kalibu, the man accused of killing my sister. I want him to repent. I want to be reconciled to him. The renewal of all things is coming, and I would love to see Isaiah there with my sister. I don't see any other way. Do you see how the judgment day, the right, when the righteous judge is going to come and make everything right, totally transforms our ability to love? God's going to deal with it. He's going to set everything right. We don't have to worry about that at all. And when you don't have to worry about that at all, it frees you uh, to love in amazing ways. And loving in amazing ways uh, because of Jesus and his love is what RUF is all about. So let me close and just pray that God would make us a community like that. Let me pray. Uh, Father, we uh, desperately need uh, to know uh, more of this love, uh, the love of a judge who would be judged first so that uh, we could have a favorable verdict, even though we deserve the worst from you. I pray that we'd be transformed by that love and pray that it would make us uh, patient and kind less harsh. I pray that it would make us uh, people that can have tremendous joy, uh, even though such sadness exists in our lives and in our world. I pray uh, that it would empower us to love in radical ways, to forgive people who have harmed us greatly, um, to love even our enemies. Help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen.